Anyone know what that is? That's music to my ears. That's another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify makes it simple to sell to anyone from anywhere. Whether you're selling shirts or sandals, start selling with Shopify and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. With Shopify, you'll customize your online store to your brand, discover new customers, and build relationships that will keep them coming back. Shopify covers all the sales channels to successfully grow your business, from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform, even across social media platforms like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks to 24-7 support and free on-demand business courses, Shopify is here to help you succeed every step of the way. It's how every minute, new sellers around the world make their first sale with Shopify. And you can do it too. I love how Shopify makes it simple for anyone to sell their products anywhere. Whether they're eBooks or earrings, Shopify simplifies starting and running your own successful business. When you're ready to take your idea to the world, do it with Shopify, the commerce platform powering millions of businesses down the street and around the globe. Now it's your turn to try Shopify for free and start selling anywhere. So sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite. Go to shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite, to start selling online today. Shopify.com slash c-suite. You're listening to Thinking Outside the Bud, where we speak with entrepreneurs, investors, thought leaders, researchers, advocates, and policymakers who are finding new and exciting ways for cannabis to positively impact business, society, and culture. And now, here is your host, business coach, Bruce Eckfeldt. Are you a CEO looking to scale your company faster and easier? Check out Thrive Roundtable. Thrive combines a moderated peer group mastermind, expert one-on-one coaching, access to proven growth tools, and a 24-7 support community. Created by Inc. award-winning CEO and certified scaling-up business coach Bruce Eckfeldt, Thrive will help you grow your business more quickly and with less drama. For details on the program, visit Eckfeldt.com slash thrive. That's E-C-K-F-E-L-D-T dot com slash thrive. Welcome, everyone. This is Thinking Outside the Bud. I'm Bruce Eckfeldt. I'm your host. Our guest today is Matt Hampton. He is founder at headshop.com. We're going to talk to him about the journey he's been on in the cannabis space and and for quite some time. Uh, It's been around for a while. Obviously, the cannabis industry has grown and changed and morphed and a lot of interesting kind of developments and really kind of hearing how he's approached this and how he's used headshop.com to pivot as the industries pivot and where they are now. And then hopefully we'll talk a little bit about where they're going. So excited for this conversation. I think this whole kind of consumer, like how do consumer access products around this space is a big, a big part of the evolution of the industry. So excited to hear from Matt about how that's working for him. So with that, Matt, welcome to the program. Hello. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's a pleasure. You know, before we get into what you're doing today with EdShop.com, let's do the background. Like, how did you get into this, you know, professionally? How did it come up? Like, tell us a little bit of the journey. Sure. I think I started my journey a lot like a lot of college kids start their journey, right? (laughs) Um, You know, familiarity with my local head shop and just really being fascinated with the visual tapestry of a head shop, right? Like there was just so much going on, the smells, the the experience and everything was just really 
no pun intended, intoxicating, you know, and I just kind of fell in love with it. It's, it so began my love affair with the head chops. And then uh, also in college, I had an opportunity through a uh, college connection to acquire the domain really early on, bought it in 2002, and uh, it kind of just started picking this problem apart from there. Yeah. And so it does, like, yeah, I guess where, where did it start? Like, what were you looking at in terms of, you know, who is your audience? What were you really trying to help them provide? How did you kind of figure out the other side of the market? Like yeah. what were the dynamics in the beginning? So, so I think it was a, it was a crash course in, in business and, uh, the importance of writing a business plan. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was, uh, because when we started, you know, I think we thought it would be an easier transition from, oh, this is just the new version. I mean, it was, you know, we were not so long out of college, graduated in, in the late nineties and the internet was kind of a new thing and we were all very excited about the internet. So in my mind at the time, this was a slam dunk. You know, you put it on headshop.com, what, how much easier could it possibly get? And it's just going to be an instant success. Uh, (laughs) What we didn't really bank on is uh, Operation Pipe Dream happened right at the beginning of our journey. And Mm -hmm. uh, for those of you who don't remember what that was, it was uh, the government sort of taking a crack at all the online distributors or uh, shops, I should say. And Mm -hmm. uh, Headshop was definitely not on anyone's radar because we literally were just starting when that happened. But a lot of the other guys guys in the industry that had sort of forged that path on the internet were sent to jail. I mean, they were shut down, sent to jail. So it scared us pretty, pretty immediately. And so we found ourselves instantaneously pivoting our business model to what we affectionately referred to as dorm accoutrement, right? So, so it went from selling bongs and, and, and whatnot to selling tapestries and candles and incense and, and blunt wraps was, was, uh, blunt wraps and grinders were probably as far down the accessory rabbit hole that we went at the time. And Mm -hmm. funny enough, it ended up being a really successful business model. We had a lot of success with that. There was really nobody else doing that in the industry. And it just turned out that our name really people instantaneously connected the dots. And we, we did really well with that for a while. And we were in no position, you know, in our minds to, to really take on the government and their really hostile position against yeah. the cannabis industry at the time. Yeah. And so how did that play out? When did it shift? What was the, kind of the next phase? Yeah. So we, we kept that going for a long time, several years. And I, I want to say around 2006 or 2007, there was a partnership shakeup and uh, that ended with my partner and I sort of splitting ways. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, similar, I'm sure you, you've talked to dozens of people that have had similar things, you know, oh, partnerships yeah. in this industry are, are challenging. And, uh, you know, just like any marriage, uh, stressors, exogenous stressors are going to put <laughs> a lot yeah. of pressure on people. And I think that ultimately that got the best of us. I mean, listen, anybody who's been in it this long knows one thing. It's a slow, slow, glacially moving process. And, and I know people who are just getting into the industry of late don't recognize that because it's definitely been moving at a much quicker pace recently. But I mean, going back to that far, I mean, it moved so slow and I feel like it was one step forward, two steps back. And that, that just got to be too much. So it went from a warehouse model where we were putting all, you know, we were 
in charge of putting stuff in boxes and we'd take the orders in and just a standard, you know, e-com model. It evolved into a dropship model as the industry started to grow up a little bit and distribution got to be, you know, technology caught up with everything. And, you know, you could actually be a dropshipper a little bit easier than you used to be able to. And so like that had some growing pains throughout that. And then That has been sort of a slow evolution since about 2009, 2010. And, and, you know, going into 2022, I know we'll get to this in a little bit, but we've basically dusted off everything that needs to be dusted off. We've really focused in on who our target market is. We've discovered who our target market is. So there was this sort of period in between of 10 years where we were just figuring ourselves out, you know, I mean, we were figuring out what didn't work, figuring out where we wanted to go. And, and it took a while. Yeah. And a lot of that, not all of that was because of us. A good deal of that was just regulatory or, or, you know, the general climate, you know, it was not easy to just be a gangbuster. And I know a lot of companies that did look, we're friends with a lot of the guys that own some bigger operations, but you know, we just never wanted to take those kinds of risks. You know, we always wanted to color inside the lines and we Mm -hmm. wanted to just play it safe. And so where we knew competitors that had dozens of credit card processors and they would do this kind of gray area rotation, we never did any of that. We were like, look, we're going to, we're going to have one credit card processor and we're going to be their best client. Like that was always our mantra. And at one point in our history, uh, we were down for a little over a year because we couldn't find that one Mm -hmm. processor. Right. And so you know, our position has has definitely gotten in the way sometimes, but net net, I sleep better at night. So, yeah, no, yeah, sure. And how much of this was, I guess, you kind of responding to what was happening in the market versus you trying to get ahead of the game a little bit and you know figure out what the puck was going to be? Like, how did you kind of balance this? responding to demands or responding to kind of the forces as they were kind of playing out versus kind of forecasting or, or kind of anticipating like where some of these sort of shifts in the market were going to be and how to position yourself. Sure. So the second one about trying to figure out where the puck was going to be like, I think we always have had a tremendous amount of faith that we're heading in the right direction. So I don't, I can't say that we worried about that part too much. I mean, we we know that the world is transitioning to digital. Ecom was sort of a no-brainer in our mind. So mm-hmm. for me to kind of have to worry too much about like, is this the right thing to do? That was never on my mind. Like we were very secure in that. Now the, the, the outside forces, now that was a different story. And all we could do there is play whack-a-mole with that, right? And what that is, is essentially a, a never-ending risk analysis of what is the next move going to do for us? Like, what does it open us up to from a liability standpoint? Like, what rules are we breaking? How we definitely have, just like everybody else, sort of uh, pushed the interpretation of some things along the way and kind of taken a bet that we were on the safer side of that equation, but, yep. but we're real conservative in that regard. Like we have never, we've never been a uh, pioneer in breaking the rules. Yeah. And how have you seen the market evolve? I mean, I'm just kind of curious, given you've been doing this for a while and kind of from the beginnings of more kind of traditional culture, traditional hot marijuana culture to lots of development over the last 10, 15 years in terms of people that are involved in the space, various customer segments, you know, different products, form factors, whole kind of consumer, new consumer segments that are coming in. Like, give us some of the big things that you've seen or trends that you've noticed. Sure. And and honestly, man, it's a great question for me because I think it's the most exciting part of being involved in this industry for so long. You know, when we first started, you know, we went out to Las Vegas for the, for the big 
industry trade show where mm-hmm. all the vendors get together. And that first trade show, it was, I think it was at the Sands Convention Center, but you had to basically, it was, it was this whole thing to get in, right? You had to have a, a business license and it was like knock three times and you'll get a, <laughs> you know, you get a, it was all very clandestine and it was try to keep prying eyes out. They didn't want cops there. They didn't want yeah. government there. And and everybody in the room was essentially not super sophisticated. They had these products that were successful because they were the only players in town. And and as a result, they didn't have to work too, too hard, right? So packaging was a little lackluster and dealing with their customer service was always a little lackluster and follow up and closing loops never happened right quite the same way as, as everybody else in the world operated. And I have a marketing background and we work with ad agencies a lot. And so in a previous life and, and I honestly, I just was not used to that level of lackadaisical approach, you know, and I always kind of wanted it to move faster and it didn't. But now fast forward, it's the exact opposite. We were just at MJ BizCon a couple months ago and, you know, to see the level of sophistication that a lot of these companies have rolled out is really breathtaking (laughs) if you look at it from where they started. And we we made a joke uh, several years back now, I want to say probably in around that 2008, 2009, we started seeing the uh the penny loafers showing up to the that trade show I was talking about. Yep. And we were like, wow, this is uh this is not the <laughs> same show game. we used to go to, right? <laughs> yeah. Like this is and now you have the Wall Street crowd showing up and we've been courted by private equity firms and all kinds of other sort of more traditional companies to look at us and and it's just been interesting because that I never in a million years would have guessed that part, right? It, that would that would have been a stretch for me. Yeah. You know, for the folks that are courting you, like what are they interested in? Like what what do they see the opportunity? What is the asset that you've created? Why why do they see it as valuable? Well, you know, I don't want to talk too bad about any group in general, but you know, the <laughs> <laughs> the finance group has been a little less authentic than I would like. And that's why we haven't really engaged too deep with any of that, because most of them are concerned with short-term stratospheric financial pops. And if it doesn't kind of follow that trajectory, yeah. they're, they're they're not really good friends, right? Mm-hmm. So, and that doesn't feel authentic to me. And that's not what I got into this business for. I wasn't in it to, you know, make a zillion dollars overnight and then sell it off for parts and I've had some really good friends that, you know, in commerce that we've made over the years that, that really got sort of, uh, dollar signs in their eyes and, you know, the industry, I'm sure you've heard these words like reverse IPOs. And, you know, there's a bunch of these like sort of razzle dazzle things that end up cannibalizing these companies. And it just, I've seen dozens like, and that's not even an exaggeration. I mean, I've seen dozens of business owners who poured their heart and soul into a company, grew it up and just to get, you know, wrecked by a private equity company or something that came in and just destroyed them. And like that, that unfortunately was a thing. I do think that that is changing I don't think it has changed. You know, we're not we're not past tense on that one just yet. Yeah. But uh but it is definitely getting better. I mean, I think there are there are more mature companies out there. There's a lot of mergers and acquisitions activity out there right now. Almost quarterly you see another couple kind of roll up together. So, it's definitely getting better, but it's just been sort of real bottom feedery in my opinion for a long time and that that's not super attractive to me personally. Yeah. But that's definitely different, right? Like, I mean, if you would have told me in 2002 that you have some finance Wall Street guy coming in there <laughs> to try to do a, a reverse IPO, I would have like fallen off a chair laughing kind of thing. Yeah. You know, it's just not what I would have envisioned ever. Yeah. We're going to take a quick break to hear some words from our sponsors. 
And now back to our program. I'm kind of curious about like how you've positioned yourself in the market. I mean, uh, you know, where have you kind of carved out your space? Any particular kind of type of users or, you know, target customers that you're focused on? I mean, you know, the cannabis market is getting pretty multifaceted now. Like uh, yeah, tough sure. to be everything to everybody. Where have you sort of chosen to kind of create some focus either from a market point of view, from a product point of view? Give us a sense. Yeah. So, um, as I told you, this kind of I got to this answer by going back to my roots about what got me into this in the first place. Is is like I always loved the visual cacophony, if you will, of a head shop, but I hated that I felt like a criminal in the yeah. head shop. Right? Does that make sense? You know, it's yeah. I feel they had those signs up like it's for tobacco use and don't say the <laughs> b word and like I, it just felt very you know it was really weird. I mean, at the end of the day, we're talking about a plant here. You know, like it just yeah. struck me as odd and. uh so I think that kind of carried through when we were curating our experience and where we're at now is we very much want to make people feel like they're regular human beings and not criminals. So what that means to us is that our products are curated by a mixture of a bunch of different metrics, but uh, visual appeal, like these can't look like crappy knockoffs, you know, China made things that we we want people to be proud of what this is. I mean, a lot of our most fervent customers really are proud of these pieces. They're not just devices that they use to consume cannabis. They are a marker of an identity, you know, like they're, they're really, they show their friends. They, they Mm -hmm. talk about the, the battery power and how easy it is to clean and the, and how clean of the expression of terpenes they get. I mean, they're really into it. I mean, this, this is not an uneducated group of people when it comes to these products. And that makes me extremely excited. And so when we can find a new product that really leans in on making its owner feel really happy about owning it, then that's an ideal product for us. And then kind of second in line there would be just a general lifestyle, addressing lifestyle of that same user, right? So we, we're we looking at our customer base more holistically now and finding out, you know, what are they into? Uh, is it just the latest and greatest vaporizer or is it is there more? And we're finding out that there is a lot more. And so, you know, as we're getting more metrics on defining our most valuable customers, we're kind of taking those other interests and pulling it into the orbit, the head shop orbit and expanding what head shop is going to be in the future. Yeah. And where have you been sort of finding your products? I mean, are, are, are people coming to you? Are you always on the hunt for things? Like what, what's that side of the business look like? Yeah, it's, it's a little bit of both. I mean, because of our domain name, it's, it's incredibly visible, uh, yeah. you know, uh, and so anybody who's even, I mean, I, I'm always amazed, even teenagers kids of clients of ours or partner, you know, people that work here, like everybody knows what head shop is, right? It's a, it's a pretty, it stood the test of time. Right. And so we do get hit up quite a bit, fortunately or unfortunately, a lot of it is, doesn't hit our minimum barrier to entry. And it's usually because it's just poorly made or it's a blatant knockoff of a, of an industry giant. And they're just trying to make it for cheaper. And yeah, you know, I'd rather not play the we sell it cheaper game. So we're we're not, you know, we're not interested in ripping people off. Obviously, we're not trying to charge as much as we can, but we're also not in the discount game either. So, you know, I'm not going to try to find a product that looks like the volcano, but it's, you know, the Schmalcano made in, <laughs> in, in India, you know, so, but we can sell it at half price. Like that's yeah. not, you know, that's not going to happen. So we do get hit up. A lot of it is kind of garbage stuff. Um, and we are, I personally am always on the lookout for new products. And so that's why I'm heavily involved in 
in working my network, going to the trade shows, kind of really being on the hunt for that, you know, diamond in the rough. And they're out there. I mean, and they're coming out more and more all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I guess, what have you seen in the terms of, you know, innovation on the product side, either kind of design technology, you know, approach, like what, what have been some interesting products that you've come across? Uh, there's this like uh, gravity bong by student glass that we, that we carry that is absolutely breathtaking. It's very pretty. It's very highly functional. And these guys have done a tremendous job marketing it. And when I, when I say marketing it, I mean, when you buy it, like the instruction manual is beautifully printed and the box is amazing. And they've got accessories where you could mount this thing on the wall and, you know, a gravity bong, you know, works where most people have used a gravity bong where, you know, you cut the bottom off of a, you know, a two liter bottle of soda and, <laughs> you know, and you pull yeah. it up in the bucket of water. Well, they basically made a really great version of that. But then they also have this attachment that you can smoke your beverages. So it, it, it like you can hickory smoke your whiskey and, and they have this little glass top that you can put over the glass and, and you could infuse your, uh, your whiskey with oh, it. Interesting. And, yeah. and it's awesome. And it's like, that's the level of product that head shop, like just really gravitates towards with full yeah. speed. Right. And, and I love that piece. It, you know, we, we have another bong that is lit by a laser and it's got this like red <laughs> glass around it. You can see the laser actually working and another, you remember that globe from Sharper Image back in the day where it, it like you touched it and it was like a oh, Tesla coil. Newtonian? Newtonian? Yeah, I, I, I know there's a the word for it. it. I can't remember. Yeah. yeah. But there's a bong that you use that that does that too. And it's, you know, there's nothing different about the bong itself. Yeah. Like literally it's just a bowl and you just light the bowl just like anything else. But while you're holding it, you've got this cool little like staticky thing going on. And, you know, these are all very unique things. And some of them, like, I don't, you know, that one is really fun to play with, but like, it's still at the end of the day, like it, unlike the gravity bomb we were just talking about, it doesn't, it's not really that unique functionally. It's just unique aesthetically. Yeah. And so like unique comes in all kinds of shapes and sizes, I guess is the point, right? It's, uh, yeah. but just keeping an eye out for people that are just reimagining something that ostensibly hasn't changed in decades. Right. I mean, yeah. And I see, I mean, I, I've, I've seen, you know, various kind of product lines coming out that, you know, really try to target certain segments, right? You know, young women, uh, you know, soccer moms, uh, professionals, right? Like, I guess, how have you seen kind of the segmentation of kind of the cannabis market lead to kind of product brand sort of segmentation? Yeah, I think that, you know, when you look at, you, you said soccer mom and, and, and whatnot, when you say stuff like that, like that is a really big growing market, right? Like the, the sort of quote unquote, normal human being who is consuming <laughs> cannabis, right? Like yeah. not, you know, getting yourself out of like the dazed and confused or, you know, anything like that stereotypes. Mm -hmm. Right. And so you see the smarter people that are coming out. There is a product that looks like a vase. It's a bong, but it looks like a vase. Right. Yep. And it's very pretty. It comes in a bunch of different finishes and whatnot. And that, that is very, very specifically marketed towards women. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, there are women actually own a bunch of different categories. They have grinders that are really designed for women. They've, they've got, uh, you know, cases that are designed for women that have, you know, like clutch purses that'll hold your Da Vinci vaporizer, stuff like that. Like there's a bunch of neat stuff like that. And there also, we just saw, we just saw one that we are going to have on the site soon, but it is a guy who comes from high fashion and has a hand stitched ostrich skin and a different one that's alligator <laughs> skin. It's a $10,000 personal oh, yeah. stash case, right? And it's, yeah. 
hand-stitched and it's, you know, it, it's, it's absolutely unbelievable. And, but it has all the craftsmanship yeah. of a purse or, you know, the steering wheel cover on a Lamborghini, right? Like, yeah. I mean, it's, and so you've got these different people that are going out there. We, I mean, how many people do you know that would spend 10 grand on a personal, you know, storage device, but he sells a lot of these and it's a four month construction time. It's made by hand to order specifically to you. And it takes four months. And wow. so we are getting, you know, we've been partnering up with these kinds of companies because we really, again, it comes back to that. This is a lifestyle, not a product, right? Like and anybody can sell a product and that's why we're not selling a lot of low end, you know, rolling trays or something like our rolling trays or, you know, hand lathed out of, you know, mahogany or, you know, mm -hmm. some, you know, teak or something. And it's, you know, it's made specifically for different products and it's, it just, it looks like furniture grade, you know, equipment, yeah. you, you, you know, you're not, <laughs> this is something that you could leave out on the coffee table and no one would think it was weird. Right. And that, yeah. that's kind of really where the market has gone to. And, and again, I mean, if you would have told me in 2002 that somebody would be leaving a bong out on the coffee table as a conversation piece. Like I just, yeah, I mean, that makes sense in a dorm room, but like yeah, in a regular exactly. person's house, like what? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. but yeah, so it's very exciting in that, in that regard. And, and you know, the longer we're in this game, the more you're seeing like people come to the table with stuff that makes them excited. So they'll make products for that group of people. And yeah. then you've got, you know, like that guy stitching $10,000, uh, you know, cases. Yeah. That is for basically a very, very niche group of individuals. Yeah. And and he doesn't care if he's selling 10,000 of them. He just needs yeah. to sell one at a time. And yeah. that's it. Yeah. So it, it is super exciting. I mean, I, I can't, uh, I could wax on about that forever because it yeah. is fun to go to a show and see that guy. We had a two-hour conversation with that guy when I first met him. I'm sure. I mean, <laughs> well, and it's just the, the now the interplay between, uh, you know, cannabis and fashion and, you know, other lifestyles where it's, you know, this is not just kind of utilitarian, you know, I'm looking for something to be able to consume marijuana with. It's, you know, this is a statement, right? And, oh, yeah. and so how this stuff is now integrating to some of these other brands and stuff. Well, is, and it's funny that that vase I was telling you about, yeah. it's called my bud vase and it's just, you know, it's a, <laughs> it's a play on words and, Absolutely. and it comes with flowers. So like yeah, fake flowers. So when you're not using it as a bong, you can throw the mm -hmm. flowers in and off you go. And yeah. it, and it's just, it's like a great attention to detail that, that you just, as a guy who, as a creator myself and, and a, with an art background and whatever, like that creative component is extremely energizing and yeah. it's fun that people are actually paying attention to it. Cause, cause back to what we were talking about earlier, that was not the case early on. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so I'm, I'm curious about some of these new sort of categories. Like, you know, I, I know, you know, dabbing is all the rage now and stuff. Mm. And, you know, people are, you know, various kind of vaporizers and, you know, I guess how, like, how are you kind of mapping, keeping up with, you know, new form factors, new, actually new kind of extractions and things like that people can consume in different ways. How is that playing out? Yeah. So, um, you know, it, it is a little overwhelming, I, I think from, from people who aren't in it every day, but when you are in it every day, I think what ends up happening is you realize that these, these categories aren't changing all that rapidly. Right. So like dab rigs have been around for 10 years now, they are very popular and it ranges in popularity mostly by geography. You know, for example, okay. out West dabbing is far more popular than it is on the East coast. Right. Yeah. So, you know, when you see, you know, the, I I've met people that are just recent college grads that graduated in the East Coast that didn't travel much that really didn't know anything about dabbing at all. Like they knew yeah. it was a thing, they'd heard it before, but they weren't 
you know, they, they didn't really have a lot of experience in it. Whereas if you go out West, I mean, I've been in places in Colorado where they, they don't even consume flour anymore. It's just dabs. That's it. Nothing yeah. else. So basically what we do is we just try to keep uh, up with, with the verticals. I mean, it really comes down to vaporizers, dabs, um, you know, and then just regular flour consuming devices. So it's really like those three categories that sort of make up everything. And then everything kind of, shades of gray from there out in. Right. And so, you know, like that, that student glass gravity bong I told you about, like that, that only does flower. I think, you know, you can do concentrate in it, but it's definitely not a dab rig, you know, where you're, you know, putting out, you know, you're, you're heating up a, a nail and getting it super hot and then touching your concentrate to it. But so it's pretty simple. It's straightforward. What's exciting from a, from an accessory marketer about things like dabs is like dabs are a multi tool activity. Mm-hmm. So you need a torch and you need nails and you need a dab rig. And so it's, and you need, you know, some kind of spoon or device to, you know, get your concentrate onto it. So, you know, there's a lot of pieces that are involved so people can really personalize that experience. They can buy this kind of torch or they can buy that kind of torch. It could be big and ostentatious or it could be small and pocket size. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you know, so it's, it, people get to kind of exercise their personality in these activities. And so, you know, you just kind of try to keep up with it, but, uh, you know, I'm not a dab guy myself, but I do love the accoutrement for dabbing. It's, it's, it's one of the more visually exciting ones that we have. Yeah. yeah for sure. I get it. I get it. And, and so where do you go from here? Like what's the future of the brand? What's the future of the business? What's your, what's your strategy? Yeah. So we are heavily involved right now in, um, sort of pressing the lifestyle boundaries that I was telling you about. And one yeah. of the most exciting categories we have on the horizon is the biohacking and, and health conscious, you know, individual. And what that really is, is wearable devices for self-quantification and furniture grade home therapy devices, all tons of science backed, lots of uh, attention to detail in the construction process, a lot of attention to detail in the sustainability component in the elimination or dramatic reduction in in toxins in both the manufacturing process as well as in the consumption process. So you've got companies that are really, really, really leaning in on just overall being cleaner at what they do. And and so we're finding our our demographic kind of is leaning in that way pretty hard. So we're we're there and you know all of us here at Headshop are pretty interested in that as well. So it is actually kind of a very cool uh Venn diagram for me personally, anyway, yeah. uh, to kind of overlay all these things together and and be involved in this. And uh, so far, our our customers are enjoying it. We've been beta testing it with come some of our more known customers just to kind of get a sense of how they'd react. And so far, so good. You know, um, we actually are uh, also working with a lot of people in the home growing space. Uh, oh, that, interesting. That, yeah. that is a very big category right now. Yeah. You know, I think people, it's kind of like home brew, right? Like, you know, I can go buy, uh, you know, uh, especially nowadays, I can go buy, you know, my my local liquor store probably has, you know, a thousand different micro brews in it, right? But, but like, you know, there's a guy who wants to spend the time and money and, and brew them himself. And, 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 and I think we're finding that that is now starting to kind of really take hold because you've got these sort of in a box, you know, quote unquote, yeah. in a box solutions where you don't have to really be a botanist to figure this out. You can, yeah. you know, kind of, uh, kind of cobble it together. And then once you have one under your belt, getting two, three, four and doing it better is actually like incremental movement. So people are very excited about that. So I think that, uh, in fact, that's 
actually launching out here in in I believe in January here. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. I, I think the, in many respects, it's actually easier to do at home oh, yeah. cannabis than than it is to do at home brewing. Um, but yeah, I could I could see the, the the growth of that part of the business. Well, we have one one product coming out that literally it is it is a box. It is a timed growth, uh, timed oh, yeah. lighting thing. You literally just have to open the door and put a measured amount of water that that they tell you what water even to grow. And that's it. And yeah. in two months, you'll have a quarter pound. And that's it. And it's and it's uh, got an oversized carbon filter in there, so there's zero oh, smell nice. on the outside. Yeah. So you don't have to port a duct to out a window or something yeah. like you, you know. Yeah. So it's just the level of sophistication in these devices is like really now it, where it needs to be, right? Yeah. So now you could have that device and, and you know, now it's not super cheap, but you know, it's also not, it's not super expensive. It's not cost prohibitive for people who want it. It's certainly less than getting into the home microbrew business, yeah. right? <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Matt, this has been a pleasure. I'm assuming people have kind of figured out now that the the URL is headshop.com, but just in case, <laughs> we'll give it to them again. <laughs> if people want to find out more information, contact you, what's the best way to get that information? Yeah, I'm actually easy to find, Matt, at headshop.com. I, I love having conversations with people. So if anyone out there has a uh, product they want to kind of talk about, we are very keenly interested in co-marketing endeavors with people. Yeah. We I think one of our give back mentalities is that if we can take somebody who's struggling to get off the ground and use our platform to help them get their word out and you know obviously we're selling the product so it's not entirely altruistic but you know mm -hmm. I'd love to help the budding entrepreneur if you will get get off the ground and <laughs> and that also is a is a competitive advantage for us too because I know a lot of our bigger competitors aren't really looking yeah. In the weeds. No, again, no pun intended there. So, <laughs> they they can go on and on. Yeah, we can just keep going. Sorry, they just keep coming out. Yeah. No, but they're not looking at, in like the, the ground level. You know, a lot of these yeah. bigger people want just the blockbusters with, you know, half a million Instagram followers and, and everything. And like, that's not most people, right? Yeah. I mean, so, you know, we're, we're always looking to have a conversation with somebody with a new or exciting product and, you know, reach out to me. I'd love to have a conversation. Awesome. Thanks, Matt. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for taking the time today. Thanks for having me. It's great. That's it for this episode of Thinking Outside the Bud. Be sure to subscribe using your favorite podcast app so you don't miss our future episodes. See you next time. You've been listening to Thinking Outside the Bud with business coach Bruce Eckfeld. To find a full list of podcast episodes, download the tools and worksheets and access other great content. Visit the website at thinkingoutsidethebud.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at thinkingoutsidethebud.com forward slash newsletter. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.